I'd like for you to turn your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning to Luke chapter 10. The message is about the Good Samaritan. And I'd like for you to listen to it as I read. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He saith unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He saith unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound him up at his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay them, thee. Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He answered, and said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Now verse 27, this, uh, keep in mind, if you would please, that this parable is for one purpose. And verse 25, the last part says, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So I believe the question on the minds of a lot of people even today as it was back then, is how to have eternal life. Now a lawyer, a very learned man, is asking this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus answers his question in verse 26, what is written in the law? He's talking about the law of Moses. In other words, where do you go to find the correct answer on having eternal life and knowing it? Only in the Bible, the law of God. The Bible is God's recorded word. Then the lawyer who knew the law answered Jesus in verse 27. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now please get this. No one can love <clears throat> a period without first having uh, God within them, simply because the Bible says that God is love. No one can truly love if they do not have Christ as their Savior then, simply because Jesus is God in the flesh. In John 3 and verse 3 and verse 7, 
Jesus told a very intelligent man named Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Then in John chapter 1, if you'll turn there just quickly, I'd like to read you something. In John chapter 1, uh, notice in verse 12, But as many received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. God is the only one that can give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And verse 13 plainly says, You can't believe on Jesus' name on your own will. Only God has the power to do that for you. Now, uh, John chapter 3, verse 36, gives us the way this is done. In John chapter 3, verse 36 says, He that believeth on, I wish you'd underline that little word on, not just in, the Son of God, hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The word on, the Son of God, meaning everyone with any sense at all knows that there was somebody unusual born some 2,000 years ago, and he was named Jesus Christ. And, uh, and if you'll notice uh, that he lived, he died some 2,000 years ago, and he was a very special human being. Everybody knows Jesus came, but that's just head knowledge, not heart acceptance. To be born again, to become a child of God, you must believe on Jesus, meaning you must put all your trust in what Jesus did on Calvary's cross for your sins. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect sacrifice for my and your sins. He now lives risen from the dead to guarantee us who believe eternal life. And that's what Jesus was talking about uh, to this lawyer in, here in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 down through verse 37. Then Jesus illustrates this in a parable of the Good Samaritan to prove who is truly born again. I have so many people over the years that they say they used to be saved, or I once was saved, but I lost my salvation. Now listen to me very carefully. Well, if you get saved at all, you get saved forever. Now watch this. Jesus is illustrating this in the parable of the Good Samaritan to prove who is truly born again. Now turn with me to James just a moment. In the book of James, and I'd like to read you a portion of Scripture there. In James chapter 2, verse 14. What doeth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and how not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doeth it profit? Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, 
that faith without works is dead. Now let's go back, please, to Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. Notice, beginning in verse 30, he starts off now telling this parable. Here's a man, and he's robbed, he's stripped of his belongings, he's wounded, and left for half dead, the Bible says. By the way, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, you find this. And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. So, there's a many a person walking around on this earth right now that's sinners, and the Bible says that God calls them dead while they yet liveth. A breathing, but only half alive, just in this body. Now, Jesus, who is life, they don't possess. Because John 14, verses 1 through 6, plainly tells us, Jesus said, I am life. Now, go back, please, with me, in verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest. Now, first comes along a priest. That's what is meant by that is a religious man. And notice he did nothing to revive this man. Simply meaning, there's not a religion in the world that can save a soul. Then comes along a Levite. If you study in the Bible, you'll find out that a Levite was a very good man, a dedicated man of knowledge of God's Word, according to the Old Testament, meaning no amount of goodness, no amount of knowledge of God's ways can save a soul. Then comes along a Samaritan. Now, you have to go back and study what a Samaritan is to understand what is taught here. When Israel was taken out of their country and enslaved in Syria by the Syrian army, the Assyrians sent these people called Samaritans to Israel uh, to colonize their country and rule over these Jews that were left there. So the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. Notice first now, this is a word of grace. Can you imagine this Samaritan looking down at this Jewish cripple, or, or, or man that the Bible says is half alive and having compassion on him? That's the grace of God. Did you know the Bible says the only way that a, child, a sinner can be saved by the grace of God? We don't deserve it. We're in sin, but yet God saves us by His grace, unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. Now watch this. Uh, this Samaritan had real feelings for this person. He had compassion. He helped him with oil. Now if you go back and study what oil means in the Scripture, you'll find that oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. And no man can understand the things of God without the help of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 35 shows us when a sinner gets saved by God's grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, not only we're saved now, but God will take care of us until He comes again for us. Look at verse 35. I love this verse. And on the morrow, when He departed, He took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Now, you know what it tells me? God's taking care of me after I'm saved till He comes back. That's forever. That's eternal security. Back up now, or go forward just a little bit to John chapter 10. Listen to this for just a second. 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now listen, folks, that's the eternal security of the believer. Now I believe the primary reason for this parable of the Good Samaritan is to show us who believe how we can know we have eternal life. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, it is written, These things have I written unto you that believe that you may know. So you can know you have eternal life. Now the question is, do you know you're saved? I know a lot of professors that says, I profess Jesus Christ as my Savior, but they don't know that they're born again, they're going to heaven. And so this is what this is about. I also believe this parable is to show us what this world needs today is more good Samaritans. It just could be that God sent this pandemic uh, to happen to show us we need to love and care for each other. If you go back and study something, it says love your neighbor as yourself. It didn't say your next door neighbor. When I was up in West Florida, I was born up there, some, somebody said, my neck, the closest neighbor I got, five miles away, 20 miles away, it was the closest neighbors we had, but they were still our neighbor. What it's saying is plainly here, anybody that's in need, a Christian ought to be willing to help. Amen? Now watch this. James says the way you know you are saved, born again, is you love and take care of those in need. Turn back now to James for just a second in chapter 2 and look at uh, verse 14. What doeth it profit my brother, though a man say he hath faith and have not words? Can faith save him? And what he goes on to say is, between uh, me and God, God saved me by His grace. But between me and my fellow man, how do you know I'm saved? How do you know, how do I know you're saved? By what you do. It's just that simple. And the way you know you're born again is you love. Now, people are selfish these days of time. A man pushed my little granddaughter down in a store just the other day just for a roll of toilet paper. And I got, I'm glad I wasn't there. But James, chapter 4, verse 20 says, uh, people are, Selfish, they don't care about you, but you got to love them anyhow. Now watch this. A man, again, people are walking around with a chip on their shoulder, just hoping someone would dare speak to them. I told the old fellow the other day, I said, Sir, you have a good day. And he replied to me, Don't tell me what to do. And I recognize after all these years of pastoring, there are so many people with heartaches. Broken hearts and minds wanting someone to sympathize with them. Now, in rest homes, hospitals, at home left alone, it seems no one cares. I can tell them, truthfully, Jesus loves you. And I can tell them also, as a Christian, I love you also. I have a saying in my office. What you are, speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. 
The meaning of this parable, the Good Samaritan, I believe, is Christians need to show their salvation or their Christianity, not just say you're a Christian. Now, I had a over. We bought some property over in Lake Wales on a lake, and uh, the, my next door neighbor over there is we. Right side of him, he owned two acres. I owned the other two acres right side of him. Goes down to the lake on both sides. And when we moved in, he put up a six-foot chain-link fence. And I'd go over and try to talk to him. He, I said, how you doing there, sir? And he'd, huh, and go in the house. Wouldn't speak to me. Had nothing to do with me. I don't know what he had against me. I have no idea. But one day, the Lord laid on my heart. He just got on my mind. A friend of mine, strawberry farmer, gave me a bunch of strawberries. I took a flat of strawberries. I waded in the water around the end of that fence, went up and knocked on the door. And he, his wife came to the door. So said, what are you doing in here? How would you get in here? And I said, I waded around the end of the fence where I could come uh, see you. And she said, what do you want? I said, I just wanted to give you these uh, stra- strawberries. And big old tears came down her face when she took those strawberries from me. Now, I said that to say this. I wonder how many people have ever told her some kind thing. Said they love her. Just care for her. I know what she was living with, and I know some of the things she's going through, but I wonder how many kind words had ever been spoken to her. It reached her. Now, uh, on the other hand, uh, another neighbor of mine years ago, uh, I wasn't but 19 when I got married, and I built our own home, but I didn't have a lawnmower. But I had a lawn, so my buddy got saved the same night I did. I went down to his house. I said, could I borrow your lawnmower? And every time I need my yard mowed, I go down and borrow his lawnmower. One day he came and I said, can I borrow your lawnmower? He said, you know what a, a friend in need is? He's a pest. And, uh, but we laughed about it and had a good time. He was one of the best friends I ever had. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is, one, it seemed like, is an aggravating neighbor. The other one is one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet on the face of the earth. But God said the proof of your salvation is that you love people, period. Your neighbor. Now, I want to get to something. If you're truly born again, then do something to prove for someone else. All of us have people dying around us. All of us have people who are sick and hurting. All of us have people around us who are lonely and afraid. Christians can be a blessing to them. We can help them. Then note verse 34. Go back with me and watch verse 34. Then said, again, let me back up to... Luke chapter 10 for just a second. And look at verse 34. And went to him and bound him up, pouring in oil and wine. Now, watch this, please. Note the word wine in verse 34. Wine in the Scripture speaks of joy. Now, let me give you something real quick. We're born-again people. We have the joy of the Lord down in our souls. We can share that joy with someone else, even in times of trouble. We have peace. We have joy within us. We can share that. 
God does all things well. Amen? The happiest people I know and ever come in contact is with is people that's bringing other people to Christ Jesus for salvation. Now the question again is, have you trusted Jesus and His work on Calvary to save your soul? That's number one. Do you sometimes doubt your salvation? Number two, have you settled that with the Lord? I did a scripture in the Bible that I claimed right after I got saved. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep me against that day. That's security. And you can have that security by showing what's in your heart, not just on your lips. Serve others. Help others. Love people for Jesus' sake. The way I know that I'm saved forever, there's several ways that I know it. Number one, it's because the Bible says, Whosoever called upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10:13, shall be saved. I did, so I know God saved me by His Word. God keeps His Word. But there's another way, and the other way is, I just love people. Now let me go back. Before I got saved, I didn't necessarily love people. I had a crew of 20-something uh, masons working for me and helpers, and I was a masonry contractor, and I raised sand uh, with them a lot of time. Just as I was trying to convince myself just to get the job done. But to tell you the truth, I'd rather be on a lake by myself somewhere fishing in the midst of people. That was before I got saved. After I got born again, there's a change happened inside of me, and I found out later that the Holy Spirit in my body and the Holy Spirit is love and He wants me to love people and not just treat them wrong. Now, when you trust Jesus to save your soul, that's just that simple. Will you trust Him? And then the Bible says you will be different. And I know that. Now, think about it for just a minute. Do you remember the time that you bowed your head before God and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my life and save my soul. If you haven't never done that, you can do it right now, wherever you're at. Just simply say, Lord, save my soul. But then don't go around worrying. Every time something bad happens, every, something, every time a little thing goes wrong, don't go around worrying, am I still a child of God? No. You're saved by God's grace. And that Samaritan coming by and seeing that fellow laying there half dead, the Bible says, and he went over and helped him. Not only that, but he said, you take care of him, I come back. That's security in the Lord. And, and if you would, if you never accepted Christ, I plead with you. All you have to do is bow your head in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, save me. And he'll do it. Then ask him, ask him to give you that sweet security. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, that you can go to sleep and bless the Lord, uh, no matter what happens. In a little while, we'll be in the arms of the Lord forever. Amen? What a blessing. If you would, please, I'd like for you to write to me and let me know or call me. Brandon Fellowship Baptist Church, 2700 John Moore Road, Brandon, Florida, 33511. And share the joy of your salvation. But not only, I'd like to hear from you if you know you're saved and have that sweet assurance uh, every time, you, yeah, whatever happens around you. Now, 
Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you use this old stammering tongue and the learning that I have, Lord, that you bless me with so much with the Holy Spirit to help somebody today to understand that you love them and all the Christians in this world that are truly born again, they love them also. And they pray for, we pray for one another. We care for one another. We want to be there in times of need. And Lord, we have neighbors all over the world that love the Lord same as we do. And we thank you so much, Lord, for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, if you would, let me listen in on podcast and YouTube and uh, just listen to the messages, if you would, and then pass it on to somebody else that they may listen to. Thank you very much.